coverage of the Football Goonies Fantasy Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jason Seplick, the fantasy Jesus himself, the FF Goonie, bringing you all the hot takes and hilarity that I can possibly muster up. Uh, we got Super Bowl in the bag, and as you can tell by our title song, the Patriots came out victorious. And my goodness, it was just an abortion of a game. Uh, in a high-flying, record-setting offensive year where we had some of the most amazing teams ever, two of the top four offenses showed up for a just atrocious crap fest of a game where no one's good defense even did anything. Uh, it was just... God freaking awful. Sorry, Dad. Anyways, um, I mean, what could be said other than, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. So on today's show, we're just going to riff a little bit about the Super Bowl, uh, some news on the leagues, including a new league popping up, and that's about it. So let's get into the show. So the the fantasy or the football fans Christmas, so to say, i.e. the Super Bowl, as uh, we alluded to earlier, is the most. It's it's just the culmination of greatness in sports. Uh, I myself am actually a huge hockey fan more so than football. Uh, I think there's something to be said about a game series, but there is a purity to football's playoffs where it's won and done and it's whoever shows up that game because it lends to the definitely it's the format where the best team doesn't have to win uh when you only have to show up one game to beat your opponent rather than the best of a seven series uh crazy things can happen and part of that is part of the greatness of football and i mean what can be said other than Referees and overtime rules zapped any chance of a good Super Bowl for us. It was just the most awful and putrid thing ever. Uh, one not missed double call on a pass interference and targeting. Um, and the Saints are in the Super Bowl. And then all of a sudden we have Brady versus Breeze. And man, what a game that could have been. Well, I mean, we also look at the overtime rules. If it was more like college and the Chiefs had a chance to win, who knows what we could have gotten if we had a rematch of the Rams and Chiefs high-scoring offenses. But the fact is, whoever wants to sit there and argue the merits of the game, it was just completely awful what we got, and it was highly disappointing. In fact, this entire playoffs has been highly disappointing. I will admit that the championship round was probably some of the most exciting football uh, or the most exciting round I've ever seen, considering both games went to overtime, both were marred by major controversial calls. Like, it was just enthralling. It was amazing. It was fantastic. But then to lead to this was just a disappointment. And... Unfortunately, the problem is you had a, a budding genius of offense in Sean McVay 
coming up to a brick wall that is Bill Belichick. And the problem is the Patriots are the kind of team that finds a way no matter what. And everyone's like, oh, Brady's declining. He doesn't deserve. Well, I got news for you. He didn't deserve some of his other Super Bowl wins because of crazy rules and this and that and crazy calls. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think it's a knock on the greatness of Brady to say, well, he's just not playing at the level. The dude's, what, 41 now, and he just won his sixth Super Bowl? It doesn't matter how he won it. The fact that he won a sixth. I mean, even in a decline, I mean, what do you want? He did enough to help his team win. That one or two yard run by Sony Michelle was set up by Brady throws. And although Brady, and I'm not trying to defend him this game, he looked horrible. The pick to Chris Hogan was a behind, thrown behind Hogan way off the mark, and it was an easy pick because it was in the wrong spot. There was plenty of balls that could have been picked because they were in the wrong spot. He is declining. But to say that someone is not the GOAT because they're declining that's everyone declines look at manning manning fell off the map won a super bowl and then after that it was just crap and he wasn't even great in the super bowl year at that point but they found a way and these great quarterbacks find a way and yes a lot of it is belichick and this coaching staff and mcdaniels but I mean, the fact of the matter is Goff couldn't find a way, and he's young, and he's got all the arm talent in the world right now, and an amazing offensive mind coaching him. The fact is that Brady won despite, like, in spite of his, his deficiencies as a quarterback with his age, it's just a testament to how sharp that man's mind is. And I'm sick of seeing this, oh, well, if Manning was in his situation, and this and that. What situation is that, exactly? Yes, great coaching, but when has Brady had a multitude of amazing talent? One year of his career when he had Hernandez, Gronk, and, like, I mean, like, what? what is the argument here? Manning, er, Peyton Manning always had solid, like, his best year, he had... A, a still peaking Demarius Thomas, a still peaking Emmanuel Sanders, a strong tight end that could just catch touchdowns, and a strong running game. This season, Brady's had a weak running game. Up until the last couple of weeks, Sonny Michelle didn't do crap. Burkhead was injured. Michelle was injured, and he was doing it with James White and dump-offs. And to say, oh, well, he's just dumping it off. That's not a big deal. Well, it's the fact that he didn't take the shots and he made the right reads and made the right decisions. I see plenty of other running backs in the league getting dump-offs that don't produce nearly as much as White. And when White's in there, you pretty much know he's going to get a pass and not a run. So these excuses are ridiculous. Brady's the GOAT. There's some arguments to go against him. Montana not losing. I mean, like... A Super Bowl, there, there, there's arguments, but the thing is, it's different eras, and yes, he's protected now, and it's just a different game, but the fact is, like, at this point, I'm sick of the haters at the Patriots, because we're never going to see this era of football again. You're never going to see a team dominate for 20 years. It's just not possible. They've defied the odds, and I think the fact that we've all gotten to witness that is just amazing. So you know what? I hope they win another one if the Vikings can't win or 
some other team that I like can't win. I I I'm fine with the Patriots winning another. Let's see. Let's see if you can fill up two hands. Why not? Who cares? I enjoy good coaching. I enjoy good defense. And don't get me wrong, this low-scoring game was not good defense. Every big play was set up. Goff overthrew Brandon and open Brandon Cooks that allowed McCourty enough time to get there. If he just darted it lower, he wouldn't have gotten to Cooks. Or if he threw it sooner and recognized it rather than when Cooks was like 10 yards past the guy. If he noticed Cooks breaking, he could have thrown him just shy of the end zone with the in-stride touchdown. There's a lot of miscues in this game, and nothing was impressive. So much to the point that the the MVP of the Super Bowl is a guy that caught 10 passes for 140 yards or so. Ooh, 14 yards a catch. And I don't know if you saw the video that I put up on the chat, but my God, he was open for most of those catches. And yes, that is a credit to his route running and the scheme of McDaniels getting him open. But at the same time, it was nothing special. I'm pretty sure that any receiver that is worth half of Julian Edelman could have gotten at least 100 yards on his and still been the MVP because, I mean, there was no one impressive. Yeah, Michelle got a touchdown and almost 100 yards, but there was no 100-yard rusher. There was no 300-yard passer. There was no standout uh, sacker on defense uh, other than Stephon Gilmore getting a easy interception on underthrown ball. I don't really see what he did. I mean, no one on defense stood out. No one on offense stood out. It was just the steady guy in the slot for the Patriots was the most valuable player. Honestly, if I could, I would say that that Bill Belichick is the most valuable player. He should have gotten the award. Or maybe an offensive lineman that kept Brady clean most of the game. He should have gotten the award. Or a defensive edge rusher that, that pressured Goff enough and kept him off his game, even if he only got one sack or so. I mean, like, it was the most mediocre game of football after seeing some of the best offenses go at it, especially last round. It, it was a utter disappointment. It, it's building everything up in your mind, and then, my goodness, it's like... It's it, it's like a commissioner telling you, man, get ready. The the fab system's going online. And you're gonna get free agents, only to find out that he screwed up, and it ran today with only three people bidding for anything. I mean, it was that level of disappointment, Clay. Sorry, I mean uh, listenership. So I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna drink my beer. And I'm going to celebrate Boston's Irish roots win. Uh, Not that Brady's Irish roots or anyone really is, but you know what Boston is, even though they're not in Boston. Anyways, uh, I mean, let's go down the list. Let's start with the, the Rams, since they were the most pathetic. Jared Goff, 19 of 38 for 229. That's an average of six attempt. That's just awful. And the fact with his, with, with his sack total in there, he actually gained 198 yards on passing. So under 200 yards gained, one interception, and even then, like, that was towards the end of the game. A QBR of 13.4. And this is one of the bright stars of the NFL at this point. Um, there was a chat today, mostly me, sorry, uh, who is a little pessimistic of the future of NFL quarterbacks, 
And the reason I'm so pessimistic is that the NFL seems to be going to this this passing only kind of thing or a a high passing offensive league again. And the problem is they're dismissing all these running backs and great running backs aren't getting paid. And like, oh, it's not that important. And they just talk it, talk it, talk it, talk it. But the fact of the matter is a great running back was in this game, barely played. And I'm sure he's going to have surgery and it's going to come out. He was hurt. He played as much as he possibly could. But they want to lie and not get fined, which they will. In fact, they might lose a late draft pick for it or something. But Gurley was hurt. And that offense could not do anything because Gurley was hurt. And that's just a simple fact. I mean, good offensive line. Four sacks for 31 yards lost. That's not a horrible line. His pressures were not good, but the... The QBR of 13.4 and his passer rating of 57.9, that is awful. And this is one of the top eight quarterbacks of the future. I'm very, I'm very serious when when Brady Breeze, Roethlisberger, Rivers, uh, all these guys of this, of this era retire, we're going to have a, a hole. And yes, there's going to be Lux and Wilson's. And these and the homeses that replace them, and yes, the top will the top will survive with great talent. But the problem is all this new incoming talent. The 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 occurrences of Bortles and Tannehills. I think it's going to be a more common thing. And I think in the next five six years, we're going to have a a really lopsided league with QB talent. And I think it's leading to some forward-thinking teams and some teams that are just doing it out of necessity where the run game is going to reign supreme again. And I think the run game is going to be far more important. I don't mean to the fact that like we're going to have like 10 or 12 workhorse amazing running backs that will probably still be under double digits. But the fact is run, running backs are going to be king. There's going to be two, three per team on a lot of these teams. And they're going to be all useful fantasy assets because the quarterbacks are not great. And because of that, there's going to be a, a huge lopsidedness with the QB rankings and with the wide receiver rankings. In fact, I think the, the, the rushing quarterbacks can become even more important than it's been in the past at some point. Because a lot of offenses are going to go around this Lamar Jackson rookie year thing. And I think Lamar Jackson's a better quarterback than he showed in his rookie year. And they just need to give him time and reps, which they didn't give him at the beginning of the season. And I, I think things might work out for him. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, Jared Goff, 19 for 38 for 229. Todd Gurley, 10 rushes for 35 yards. If you're sitting here going, oh, Todd, Todd Gurley only got 10 rushes for 35 yards. C.J. Anderson must eight. Well, C.J. only ran seven for 22. And there's talks about, like, oh, he played himself into a contract. Well, maybe the last couple of rounds. But on the biggest stage, he still crumbled along with the whole team. To the point where he didn't even get more work than the hurt guy that he played more snaps than. It's crazy. Averaging 3.1, Gurley 3.5. It was just it was just an overall bad game. Only two people you can hang your hat on in fantasy if you're playing dailies were Brandon Cooks and Robin Woods. Cooks had eight for twenty. That seems like pretty similar to, to Super Bowl MVP numbers this year. Two catches, forty some odd or twenty some odd yards shorter than Nettleman. 
I mean, come on. Robert Woods, 12 PPR points, 5 for 70. I mean, this is awful. Running backs weren't involved. Grand total of 11 yards between him and Josh Reynolds. There was only five people that caught passes from Jared Goff in a game where you're behind the whole time. And the worst part is they were so close for most of the game, down only three points when they were trailing. It was awful. I tell you, the Patriots only scored 13. That's all they had to. I don't think they were ever pressed to feel like they needed to push it. And that's why Brady's numbers are so conservative. But he did better. 21 of 35. Better completion percentage. He, he, he had 262 yards. QBR of only 25.8. Not much better, but his rating was at least 71.4. But the thing is, that one interception ruined it, and some errant throws ruined it. But he stole the goat. He did enough, and that's all he was asked to do. And I'm sure if he had to throw the game on his back, he probably would have done a little better. But it's just what was needed. What else was needed was Sony Michelle just killing Falk and Rex Burkhead chipping in. 18 for 94, 5-2, and a touchdown for Sony. And honestly, that touchdown, that's the only reason his fantasy day felt good. And it was a one-yard touchdown, two-yard touchdown. I mean, it wasn't that great. One of his rushes was 26 yards. You take that away. That's what? 17 for... 77, he's running for a tick other than one long run. I mean, it's not an exceptional game. It's good. I think the future is bright for Sony Michelle after this game, and I think a big part of that is, uh, is James White. I mean, James White, in a game where the run game only gained like 150-ish yards, it's not that big a deal. And one receiver had 141, one receiver had 87, and then every, everyone else was under that. You'd think James White did at least like a 70-yard game or something. He got one for five through the air. And add another two for four. And you saw him disappear as soon as Sonny Michelle was healthy. I think if you own any stock of James White in Dynasty, you're screwed. Uh, he's going to have a couple games, but it's going to go back to old James White. And I mean like four years or three years ago, James White. I mean like you're never going to play him. He, you're going to hope someone gets hurt in front of him and then he'll have value. Uh, there might be one predictable good game where it's like, oh, this pass catching running back is just going to eat. Other than that, he's useless. Throw him away. I think the crazier one was Cordero Bat- Patterson opened up the, the rushing game. He had the first rush of the game. Ex-Viking. Freak athlete. Wasted first round pick. Kind of like Laquan Treadwell, but they went a different way on God, this this is why I dislike John Ross so much. And everyone keeps talking like, oh, he's, he's leaving talent on the, on the table and he's going to have a better year next year. He's fast. And he hurt himself being fast. And I don't think he's going to be good at all. He's going to follow the way of Patterson. Heck, his best outcome is Percy Harvin, who had one good season and then injury, injury, injury. That's his best possible outcome. And chances are he's never going to hit it. Pretty much the only useful person going into next year is Sonny Michelle and Julian Edelman. After that, throw away. Uh, they're saying Gronk maybe got suffered from the TB12 plant man diet and and workout system, and he might be back next year better than ever. Maybe. 
Woods is better than Ember. Tight end five. Tight end four. Because you know he's not going to be as good as Kelsey. Uh, with Wentz healthy, he's not going to be as good as Ertz. Heck, Goddard might even. If the Eagles don't add Kareem Hunt or another running back and they don't add another pass catcher and they go with Alshon and the two, Alshon, Aguilar, because they're probably not picking up Tate. That was a wasted third round. I mean, granted, they did make the playoffs, so they, they, they got what they wanted out of him, like an actual receiver for the, the playoffs, but that was a waste of a third-round pick. And, I mean, they could have used that this year on a running back instead. But they may they may run to, to Kareem Hunt. They may go back to J.H.I. Uh, if I were them, they have this propensity for really sticking it to the committee. If the Bears take Kareem Hunt, man, I would go after Jordan Howard for nothing. Give up like a fifth-round pick for him. I mean, he was, what, a sixth-round pick? And he's clearly not part of your plans. I don't think anyone's going to overpay for him. You'd probably get him for a fifth, easy. And then and then extend him on a super cheap contract. He might actually be a free agent this year. I don't remember. I'm going to have to look into that. So, I mean, I'm getting on a little bit of a tangent, but, I mean, chances are... It could be that the tight end show in Philly outside of Alshon is the pass-catching pass way to go. And you got Kittle, Hunter Henry, the emergence of maybe Max Andrews, maybe Hayden Hurst with a year practicing with uh, Jackson. Um, I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm OJ Howard. I mean, there's a ton of guys here now that... If you got Gronk, man, you're just going down with the ship. You can't trade him, but I don't think he's going to be useful anymore, even if he does return. So it's it's Edelman and it's Michelle, and that's pretty much the only people in New England you can trust next year. Uh, I mean, obviously, the bigger question here is what do you do with Todd Gurley next year? Is he the number one pick in redraft leagues? Is his dynasty value worth trading for a first in, a 101 in the dynasty startup like uh some people did last year i don't think so i mean i really bit you you had you burned bright but then after that i mean after this if it was health how did how did they let him carry the workload he did he's good enough he'll be good but he won't be that difference maker the way he was this year uh he will still have a chance to be the number one running back he will still settle into uh, a solid uh production role but the thing is like before he was after this year you tell me like Gurley's one to three no matter what now after this postseason and the injuries and what they could limit him next year top eight running back for sure top five's probable but like you can't guarantee me he's going to be near one if I had to hedge bets I'd probably put Saquon and Zeke ahead of him uh, I don't buy into this McCaffrey love as, like, the number 3-4 running back at this point. I don't know why Kamara's not getting that. Kamara's better. McCaffrey had a lot of things go right, and if Cam Newton's not right, you think they're going to be worried about the okay talent with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel they got at receiver? And Ian Thomas? No. They're going to worry about Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. He's going to see a lot of flat coverages, and he's going to be not very expensive. I'm guessing that's why 
people are probably going to try to move him while they can because he's super high. Uh, I mean, this isn't just me being bitter because the, the fact of the matter is I wish he was still on my team. I threw away a championship, and he's worth more than Hunt at this point. And I gave him and Galladay away for a guy that's not even in the freaking league anymore. But that being said, I don't think he's a top five running back, but that's what he's being christened as. I think he settles back into the 8 to 12 range. I mean, a lot of people forget that Connor didn't play a full season. Love Bell has a chance to come back. And there's a lot of guys, like, people are like, oh, he's top five, we're going to be top five again. Well, I mean, come on, man. Uh, you had a lot of people not finish the season that would slot into that. That's why this top ten receiver is looking a little funky this year because you got guys like A.J. Green who you kind of expect to get back into it. I'm really rambling, though, so uh, let's get back to the game and uh, who's left. So congratulations, uh, congratulations to New England. Uh, I'm kind of glad a little bit, uh, although I would have loved to see McVay uh, win it, and I'm not the biggest Patriots fan. As a Michigan supporter, I do like Brady, and on top of that, I'm really glad to not hear a bunch of Saints fans complain about how the Rams won and they would have won if they were in it, blah, blah, blah. Although, it's not much different than it is now, so so what? Um, but either way, I think we can all agree that the Super Bowl sucked this year. Commercials haven't been good in years. Uh, nobody really likes Maroon 5 that likes football. And... Uh, it was really sad. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I was just excited for Big Boy out of that. And I was really hoping that it would just be an outcast moment. But Andre disappointed, of course. But it is what it is. Now we have the the extended bye week. And we will we'll see what happens. A lot of great things coming up. We got some uh, awesome stuff. The rookie draft after our draft. Uh, I will be doing a keeper uh, lottery pick in the near future once I secure a uh, old bingo style roller. I'm going to do an awesome video for you guys. It'll be fun. And I mean, that's all that's coming up. We, we had a bit snafu today where with the waivers I kind of alluded to a little bit. Uh, I don't think it would have really changed much, but it does suck that it happened. But at the same time, it would suck if we had to throw it back in and then people paid more. Uh, it's just one of those things. It is it is what it is. Clay screwed up. Everyone's got to live with it. Uh, we're all getting used to the new sleeper app, I hope. And then the big one is uh, I'm excited for the, the Mega Slam. Uh oddity of a tournament and or league and that's going to be garnering its own real short episode but i think i'm gonna try to do one every week an offshoot of this podcast i was thinking like the fantasy mega slam or something like that which was actually a format i had uh i toyed with prior to deciding on the goonies in my 80s theme because i do love the 80s so so much and you guys seem to love it too because this was the overwhelming uh, sent sentiment with you guys. So, um, with that, uh, remember that the 
The waivers are open now for the Dynasty League. Uh, stay tuned on your keepers, and after the keepers and after the draft, we'll obviously get our order, too, with the draft and everything for Dynasty. and er, everything set, basically. And um, then the other big one is there is going to be some votes coming up, uh, most notably the IR slots. Um, I think it, it's going to be a two-parter, so stay tuned. Uh, we're going to vote on the Dynasty League 1 about if we need to expand the IR slots, which I'm a firm believer on. And I guess we could really wrap on it real quick before the vote happens. Because I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to do a show when it does. But basically, as of right now, we're expanding the the league as far as bench spots. And we're expanding the rosters. And yet, we only have one IR spot. was already kind of short for how big the roster was. And the fact that we have more starting spots, we, we need to be able to have playable players. And so, I'm a firm believer, and I think I was... I was the pioneer. I'm sure other people wanted it too and stuff, but I was the first one to mention anything as far as getting expanding. So uh, the first one will be to change. Once we get to that, we have a couple options if it, if it passes. Uh, the first would be expand it to two wire spots or three, possibly. We haven't really ironed out the details in our fearless leader. We'll uh, figure out that one. The second will be expanding to like six or some odd slots like that um, with two designated to return. So basically, you will have to be a little more judicial with how who you decide to send to IR. It's not just some cheap open up space on my rock roster kind of thing. You kind of have to make the decision, well, am I going to want this guy back uh, even if he does come back or do I think he's going to come back? Uh, because you will only have, in that scenario, two spots to bring back off the of IR. And once you burn those, you burn those. I like that one. Uh, that was kind of my brainchild. And it was based on the NFL. Uh, the third option is actually what my brainchild was initially, which is the same two designated to return, but unlimited. Um, that one might be a little out of hand because people will just like pick people up to throw on there. And it's a little waffly, so that might turn into like a 10 max. But as it sits right now, it's unlimited. Uh, I just think it's fun because, one, it expands the IR slot to a much bigger level, which would have helped someone like Axel a little bit be a little more competitive. But I think the bigger thing is it brings an element of strategy to it. It's not just a spot you could throw whoever's out that week in it. I think the the fact that you're making choices to send people to IR, it brings this level of strategy that real NFL teams have to deal with. Uh, they have to keep people that are questionable on their active roster until they decide to send them to IR or put them on a pup list or something. Um, it's just one of those things I think that would be the optimal way to do it. I think it's really cool. And at the very least, I think we do need to expand slots. Uh, I think we might end up doing for the just straight slot expansion. It might be three, so there's a little bit of a differentiation between the two. Um, uh, Cleo obviously set up the, the details, and you'll see that in the vote. The other one is, and I'm going to be pushing this on the chat real soon, is I honestly think we need a taxi squad. Even if it's one player on the practice squad, just to give it a feel. Um... We'll iron out the details, but my idea is 
It has to be a rookie. You put him on there. We have fab budget involved in it or something, but basically if a player wants to pillage someone off your practice squad or a team, they can, but you have the option to match it first or let them go. If you match it, you obviously have to kick someone off your regular roster and put them onto your regular roster. Uh, at the end of the season, when it expires, if he's still on the practice squad, you have to make the decision either to move him or let him go. But it allows people to get rostered that wouldn't otherwise be rostered and give us a little more stake in developing talent on our teams. Uh, I think it's a really cool idea. I think it's something that could eventually expand into like five slots. But I want to do a feeler at the very least and maybe vote on trying to get one practice squad. A uh, slot or taxi slot, uh, squad slot to it. So um, look for that one in the near future. Uh, Clay seems to think you can't handle more than one big change vote in a year, but I trust you guys and I think we can do it. Uh, outside of that, uh, message me on the group. Say anything, any ideas that you think would uh, would be good changes or ideas to expand. Let's not get wild with it and just like throw shit out the window, but. Have real thought, thought out arguments for it. And if it's like a real quality idea, throw it out there. And if it sounds good, I'll help support it on the show. If it doesn't, I'll tell you why I think it's wrong or maybe how we can change things. So, uh, future episodes, other than that, we're going to work on trying to get guests on here so I can do some shows with you guys and kind of bounce off you. Because honestly, I'm a little sick of talking to myself and I'm sure you're a little sick of just hearing me talk. And um, other than that, we're going to be doing a couple of things. I think the next episode, we'll probably do a mailbag episode. I'm going to have you guys write in, uh, DM me. I don't want it be to be spoiled in the regular uh, group chat. So direct message me with questions you want on the show. Or you can hit me up on Twitter with it. Um, I will be answering some uh, mailbag questions next episode and then we're going to come through and we're going to do some themes so keep pay attention to the the chat and the twitter um we'll do things like last year uh axel asked me to take a look at jordan howard and i broke down some tape and told him why he was crap and why he shouldn't have traded sony michelle for him and cohen and then traded away cohen and only kept howard it was a really bad move but uh it was hard hitting and solid analysis from me so um We'll be coming up with ideas like that throughout the year and or throughout the off season, and have you guys uh just kind of contribute to the show a little bit more. Um, outside of that, we had a big announcement. I am changing my dynasty team name. I know that I'm a big proponent on people that change it constantly, and that bugs the crap out of me. But I feel like. I only had gone, because originally I was Saquon my chocolate salty balls, uh, which was just solid gold of a name, but uh, I changed it to the Puppet Master, Bill Belichick Puppet Master, during the draft because everyone was noticing my amazing skill at trading and uh, manipulating everyone during the draft, which apparently got people real gun-shy and I couldn't seem to make deals during the regular season as much as other people. Like the uh, fantasy trade whore Clay and the fantasy raper uh, Chris, who just took Axel to town and then also get a freebie on me, luckily. Um, 
But I am changing my name to something that's more suiting, uh, more fitting of my 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 genius, uh, but not in a pretentious way like Brian does with his uh, gay liberal sensibilities. Um, so, without further ado, uh, based on my 200 plus point performance on uh, the Keeper League, and yes, half PPR, 200 plus point performance, your new dynasty uh, future champion and star that, that guides you is now going to be known as... Let me tell you something, Pandeo. You pull any of your crazy shit with us, you flash your piece out on the lanes, I'll take it away from you and stick it up your ass and pull the fucking trigger till it goes click. Jesus. You said it, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. That's right. The fantasy Jesus. Well, thanks for coming in, stopping by, and uh, listening with me for a little bit. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at the FF Goonie. I have been your host, Jason Seplick, the Fantasy Jesus. And remember, Goonies never say die.